Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. Hello, hello, hello. And my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. I love football. Do we? Do, do we? You? Do you? It is always significantly harder to record a podcast after a day like we just experienced on Sunday. We're a day and a half past it, and it still hurts to <sighs> think about. It's just debilitating. I'm just so tired. And I'm we tired. didn't really expect to win. No, I don't think no. any of us to a man would have said we were going to win that game I straight the, up. I picked the Ravens to beat us by eight. I, I didn't think we were had any chance in that game. But I just wanted to walk away with some semblance of hope, some semblance of joy, some semblance of optimism. But it was just about as bad as it can possibly be on a football field. And, I mean, we got a, we got a ton of fresh faces. We got an entirely new coaching staff. Um, it's it's not surprising that the Ravens came and wiped the floor with us um, at home in Baltimore. They were at home, and so I'm not surprised with what happened, but it doesn't make it hurt any less when you're looking forward to football for this long during an incredibly difficult season of life. Football was the one thing that I was looking forward to, and I showed up late to the game, walked in, and we were already down 7-0. So I didn't even get any any hopeful optimism, even on that first drive, like that first Nick Chubb run. Didn't see that. Didn't think, oh, maybe we're going to start running the ball on him. Yeah, that did feel good. Started on a high note. It's pretty much all downhill from there. It, yeah. it had um, Tennessee Titans' first game of 2019 vibes for, for just a minute there. Oh, man. I remember that game was all the hype leading up to that season. And then on our very first drive, we went right down the field perfectly and scored a touchdown right off the bat and it was very similar right after we scored that touchdown we missed the extra point and it was all downhill from there the exact same thing happened as soon as we scored a touchdown it was like oh you're excited nope well this game was interesting in, 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 a, in a similar sense i very distinctly remember that game last year you know the scoreboard it was a huge blowout but the browns were in it for a good portion of the game and then it just like at a certain point, got out of hand. The same, the same thing happened here. Like I didn't feel like the Browns couldn't put anything together on offense. The Browns moved the ball like fairly well in the first half. To be honest, we didn't we didn't execute in the red zone. We turned the ball over a few times um, in this game, and uh, it it didn't work out in our favor. But it wasn't like the Browns like were going up against a brick wall the entire time. They like shot themselves in the foot. They missed opportunities. They you know, Baker had that interception in the first in the first possession. Like it did not look good. It was very sloppy, and it definitely looked like a team that was installing and implementing an offense that they have that they don't have a lot of experience with. I wonder if it's something that's going to tick back up, tick up towards the end of the year. Um, like, do you, either of you guys remember? Did the Vikings start slow with Stefanski's offense last year or were they I remember they had a ton of problems with their wide receivers and not getting the ball enough with Thielen and Diggs but I don't think they started slow but they also weren't implementing a brand new scheme like entirely new yeah Stefanski was promoted from within um and they had an offseason I, th- I think that this would be mitigated a lot just by having an offseason and having lot more live practices, more preseason, preseason games. games. Preseason games are huge because you get tape and then you get to study it. So even if you're not on the field, you 
watch your teammates do something and you get to learn from their mistakes. And we didn't get any of that this year. And so that puts the offenses or new new schemes at a dis- significant disadvantage if, if you don't have it down pat. Um, I'm not going to lie, like, Baker, like, happy feet. Like, not – He just looks uncomfortable. He – and it's what we saw last year, and I, I guess we shouldn't have expected anything else because he hasn't had time to settle into, into the system. Um, I was optimistic that somehow it was like this Freddie Kitchens curse that was on him, and as, as soon as he got somebody else calling plays into his ear, it would, it would be a little different. But I guess that's not the case. It's going to take a while. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. very concerned. There was a lot of there was a lot of plays where he saw the receiver he wanted to throw to. He took his drop, stayed in the pocket, went to deliver it, and was just off on the target. I think of the one it was a third down that we needed to convert third and long, and Odell was running a slant like across the middle of the field and Baker didn't have any particular pressure in his face. Like, there was nothing that should have thrown the throw off, and he just left it behind Odell. And Odell had to reach all the way back and, like, try to prevent an interception. Marcus Peters broke it up. But Odell ran a great route, created separation. Like, it should have been a completion for a first down, and we were moving the chains. There's another one late in the game where he, like, just way overthrew Odell. Like, had all the time in the world, had him deep, and, like, threw it five yards past him he threw it 10 yards over Kaderil hodge one time on the sideline just to play devil's advocate to defend baker not that i thought that he had a good game not that i'm not concerned but on that odell pass about odell was held so i would like to think that there's a timing issue that gets thrown out of whack whenever something like that happens but if he was held you shouldn't be throwing it behind him you might be throwing it no, like no. It was when you overthrew when he whenever you overthrew. Odell oh, when he on overthrew the long, on yeah. the long one. Okay, yeah. got it. Um, man, it's. I mean, I our offense didn't look that much different than it did last year when we were frustrated. And I know, I know that the scheme is a little different, and um, it's gonna take a while. But it had similar feelings where. There's something disconnected between Baker and all of the pass catchers other than Jarvis Landry. Like, ba- uh, yeah. Baker to Jarvis, they know what they're doing. Baker to everybody else can't seem to make it happen. And, and I don't know and, what and the they, issue is. And he didn't throw the ball to Higgins almost at all during this game. Higgins hardly played. H- Higgins hardly played. but He did have Hig- one catch Higgins was have been somebody. for a first down, but they somehow called it short of the first down marker. Higgins was somebody that Baker had a connection with that I would like to see more of. I don't care how talented the wide receivers are as long as Baker can get them the ball. I, Quite frankly, I don't care if OBJ has any. Well, speaking of wide receivers, I mean, how surprised were you to see Kaderil Hodge getting the third third wide receiver reps? I mean, he was by, by far the most snaps of I the receivers I, outside of I don't of- know that in general I'm surprised by him like taking the third wide receiver reps. I think they see him as like, you know, like a vertical threat, like in a downfield type receiver, which is not necessarily how you would paint Richard Higgins. So I feel like 
if I was guessing, I would have thought that situationally they would have, you know, rotated those two guys in the third spot, depending on, you know, what we were looking at. Uh, you know, Rashard Higgins is more of like a technician, like route runner. You could play him as like a big slot if you wanted to or something like that. Um, but, yeah, no, he got a lion's share of those targets at the third spot. I mean, they, he didn't get many reps at, on offense at all last season. He did near the end of the I, – I felt like he did – in certain in certain periods of time, but it, I mean, still, this was far more than I expected to see from Kadero Hodge. All right, so let's talk about this. Let's continue on with the offense. Baker looked bad. Um, our wide receiving core and the entire offensive rhythm did not look great. Um, but our running backs, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, both together, um, splitting carries. They were fresh throughout the entire game. Neither one of them looked bad at all. No, I think they look good. The game script just got way, way away from us, uh-huh. and we went away from the run. Short, shortly after halftime, it was outside of running territory at yeah. that point. Yeah, and then Chubb had a, that fumble, uh, which candidly, I think we, I was so like depressed at the point of the game. I don't think any of us even reacted. You, The three of us and our dad were sitting on the couch watching the game, and I don't think any of us even reacted. We were just kind of like, oh, yep. All right, that sounds about right. Like I think we just kind of like accepted it as fact. I forgot about it until I rewatched the game. But he fumbled. It was at the very end of the third quarter. I'm pretty sure. And then he wasn't in the game the rest of the game. They ran Kareem Hunt the next drive or two, and then Dernis Johnson in the fourth quarter. I don't. I don't think that's because he fumbled. I think it's more keeping fresh because the game was out of hand. And that's fine. There's there's no point in putting miles on on Nick Chubb's legs at that point, but. I'm not worried. I mean, Nick Chubb has not had a fumbling issue since he's mm. since he's been with us. I don't think he had a fumbling issue back in college. Um, there's not many times that the ball is just going to get ripped out of Nick Chubb's ha- arms. So going forward, we'll we'll see how how that goes. Kareem Hunt looked good. Mm-hmm. Kareem Hunt looked fresh. He looked quick, breaking tackles. I mean, even even on those short dump passes over the middle, his ability to to break that first tackle get three, four, five more yards getting upfield is like really, really valuable. The offensive line also held up pretty well. I mean, I think Jedrick Wills allowed a few pressures, but Wyatt Teller like graded really, really he was well. Our, he was our PFF. highest graded offensive lineman. I mean, graded extremely well. He's our highest, well, no, behind David and Joku. Second highest graded offensive player. I might be wrong, but earlier today, I think I saw that the Browns offensive line graded top 10 in both pass um, blocking and um, run blocking, which is pretty solid. I will take that. If that continues throughout the whole year, that's fantastic. And what that tells me is that Baker had a terrible game. Baker is the only problem. Like that's, that feels awful to say, but like, if you watch the receivers, like there was receivers getting open. We were watching the game yesterday, Matthew. You made the comment multiple times that it feels like we're not scheming receivers open. Like yeah. all of the passes that he, we're trying to attempt are like into coverage. Yeah, into tight windows, into coverage, where all the passes the Ravens are completing are to wide open guys. Right. And so it was going to be interesting to go back and watch the game, like with the the coaches film in particular, to see like what's going on. Is the coverage that good, or are we forcing throws? And I don't think Baker was reading the field very well. 
and progressing across his reads. Like there were so many times where he either forced a throw where he didn't need to or completely missed wide open guys that like literally didn't have anyone near them and he just forced it. And that I, from our Twitter account, I um, retweeted Jake Burns article where he was like looking pretty like intently at Baker and a handful of plays. And he just kind of stayed on one read in a lot of situations. And the Ravens did a couple of, you know, interesting things to like confuse him. And it, worked you know like he well well i guess that's my question how how and we don't really know the answer to this but if you had to guess how much of it is the ravens have a really good defense with a really good scheme that's complicated really good secondary so they can do really interesting things how much was it the unique things that the ravens can do on defense that were giving baker problems versus baker not being comfortable in the scheme that we're trying to run and working through his progressions. That's a fair point. Um, and I, it's got to be a combination of those. Because I hope it's the prior. <laughs> yeah. The concern is that it's the latter. I can take it if we just can't play the Ravens. Like, we'll take those two L's. And well, but also, wouldn't you, under- wouldn't you understand if it's the latter and he's not comfortable in the system yet? Given that, like, the offseason and, you know, where we're at? I, I absolutely would. I just, to me, that it bodes more poorly for the Brown season than if the Ravens were just giving him fits. Sure. And I mean, we saw, we saw that on like, like there's, there's not many defensive backside defensive ends that can, can drop into coverage and get on the other side of the field to, to impact the pass like Calais Campbell did. But the, like, thing, the thing about it is, is it can't just be the Ravens defense because this is the exact same Baker we saw last year. And I think he is rattled. He's uncomfortable. And he's not the same Baker that we saw in his rookie year because his confidence has been shaken. And I think the marquee indicator of that is the fact that his feet just will not stand still. Like he cannot stand tall in the pocket and go through his progressions. No matter how clean of a pocket he has, he has to run to the outside and throw on the run to somebody that's running to the sideline in a broken route. Like should, that's the only way he can complete cons- consistently complete passes. We should they should do a, a drill in practice. Baker has to wear a snowboard and take the snap from the shotgun and just stand in there and take take the defensive heat. <laughs> and yeah, really not just be able get to used drive, to it. Really not be able to step into his throws at all. He's gonna have to do the sidearm. Yeah. The just just anchored to the ground. He's gonna have to fully embrace the Patrick Mahomes. No, but he, he does. I mean, he needs his footwork causes his inaccuracies. He's, he's not settled in his footwork. He's not calm. He misses reads because he's trying to bail out to the right, even out of a clean pocket. That's the biggest problem to me is he doesn't just take that like step or two forward and like deliver something, just rip it. He starts to bail out and then the timing on everything gets thrown off. And then like everything goes to crap. So, Baker was 21 of 39 with only 189 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Should have been two um, with a QBR, 33, <sighs> rating of 65. I mean, it's just, it's just not good. I feel like you throw 
a lot of other QBs into that game, and it, it looks a lot better than what we saw yesterday. Listen, I'm, like, really willing to give a pass in week one, given all of the – everything going on with the offseason, new coach, all of it, playing against the Ravens, like, all of these things. Like, there's a lot of factors against the offense and, like, the offense executing, like, smoothly in this particular game. But there's really no excuses going in, going into next week. Well, like, well we like, have no margin of error now. <laughs> You know, like you, next week's a game you have to win, essentially. Yeah, I mean, but we weren't ever expecting to win. You know, that was kind of the situation we thought we'd be in no matter what anyways. For sure. Yeah. And, I mean, the optimistic viewpoint is, guess what, Browns? Your hardest game is behind you. Like, every other game going forward is not going to be as hard as the one that you just played. So, like, get better, learn from it. It's all downhill from here. So we've been focusing on the offensive side of the ball. Like, what are your guys' thoughts on the defensive side of the ball? I mean, we con- gave we gave up thirty eight points. It's S- never great. I'm con- our secondary is just so beat up, and I feel like it's just a replay of last season, like when we were missing secondary players and just trying to to piece it together. Um, I'm confounded by Tavier Thomas playing so many snaps. That's my biggest question because um, he was getting beaten consistently didn't seem to be adding much on the defensive side, had that good sack, um, rushed the passer well. Maybe that's his, his defensive specialty. Um, he seemed to be a clear weak spot. There were a couple balls that they hit deep. Sandejo uh, played a ball really pretty well. That- Sandejo got beat on a couple plays where he really had great coverage. Like, he was in position, and... And there was... Sandejo had a terrible PFF ranking. It was like... Uh... 30. Yeah, but it's one of those things where, like, a couple of those, like, deep, like, large, longer passes aren't completed. I mean, if he's way off coverage versus, like, close in coverage, I don't think it affects the PFF grade one way or the other if the ball is completed. Yeah, so, I mean, I was just confounded by personnel more than anything. I mean, we knew we were, we knew we were going to be shorthanded, but I figured we would be shorthanded with MJ Stewart playing in the slot, not Tavier Thomas. Um, that's an interesting decision. Losing- I didn't understand that. Like, I didn't understand why Redwine couldn't have played in the slot. I just feel like there was other options. I was absolutely stunned that Tavier Thomas got all those slot and I, reps. And I don't feel like we made an adjustment after like, it clearly wasn't working. <laughs> It clearly wasn't working, you know? and the Ravens clearly understood that that was a spot that they could pick on. Like they, they one of their touchdowns was throwing to Willie Sneed because he was matched up directly on Tavier Thomas, like and just beat him right off the snap. Like it wasn't even close. And why oh. wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they keep? Of going? course, the exact same thing. Of course. Uh, uh, I thought B.J. Goodson flew around. Yeah, so I, mean, I don't. That that's what I can say about him. He made some yeah, hits. He, he hit some guys. Yeah, absolutely. Did. Same thing. He, interestingly enough, BJ Goodson had a terrible PFF ranking, and I don't know what it, what went into that, but but he know, hit some guys. He did hit some guys. I liked watching him hit Lamar Jackson. I mean, what did you think about our game plan? Because going into the game, if you were to like drop a very generic, you know, game plan and script for like how you would want the defense to play against the Ravens, you would say contain the running game. Which we did. And, and force Lamar Jackson to beat you through the air and throw the ball. Which we absolutely did. And I, 
and I felt like we we did that fairly well. I, not to perfection, but I felt like in general we contained their running game. Our, our zones were just so soft, and it terrible, and it, and it looked like a secondary that didn't feel comfortable playing the the scheme that it was playing. And I mean that's probably because it's pretty new. If you've got soft zones, like you can stuff whatever running game they have and make Lamar Jackson throw. Lamar Jackson's still going to hit the wide open guys in a in the soft spot of the zone. I mean, even even on the first touchdown to to Andrews, like you see Lamar Jackson made a ter- pretty terrible throw. Oh, Andrews was, was wide open, wide open yeah. and he had to go make a one-handed catch to bring that down. But then there's also the Lamar Jackson that can dink it in. He he had that rocket to Andrews behind Sandejo's head. He had that that throw over the top. I think it was to Willie Sneed. The inconsistency of Lamar Jackson it's is It's confounding. Yeah, it absolutely is. Cuz some of some of his throws do look ridiculously phenomenal over this like linebackers. He's almost better into like coverage than he mm-hmm. is into like a wide And open when there's pressure in his face, like that to me, like you watch the game and you see the difference in the game. Like the offenses were both moving the ball fairly well in the first couple quarters, but Lamar in like third and long, when there's pressure coming, like he's making the right decisions under pressure and not like overreacting. Whereas you see Baker with those happy feet that we talked about and clearly is not comfortable like reading what's happening and like making a dis- decision. And it was it sad to me to think about and watch because I felt like he did that really well. I remember being on this podcast talking in his first year how, man, it's so great to have a quarterback that on third and long you feel okay about it. Yeah. Because you feel like he's going to like make a play and you're going to be able to move the sticks. Like – you don't, you're not worried about being in a third and long situation because you know that he's going to fire something in there and you're going to have a good shot at, at moving the six. Yeah. And that's not the case anymore. It's not the same guy. Three head coaches later. I mean, isn't that sad, though? Like, I distinctly remember, like, talking about that. No, I mean, it's, it's abundantly clear that you can destroy a quarterback in the NFL, and I think we may have done it. Um, all right, so here you go. You're talking about how we were both moving the ball really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the Browns, what do you think the difference for a, a 6-38 to 38 game, which ended up being the final score, what do you think the difference was in total yards? I know the answer to this question. Okay. Matthew? I bet it wasn't that much. I'm going to say like 50, the Ravens probably had 50, 50 more yards than us. Yeah, they had 70 more yards. Okay. We had 306. They had 377. The difference is we were 0 for 3 on fourth down. And obviously the turnovers. Yeah. And I feel like that's that's a conversation we're having every single week. Like last year, the year before, total yards is like we're moving the ball. We just don't make it happen when it ex- really counts. Execute when it matters. And the third down conversions. And, and we, we talk about this, though, and we talked about this with the Ravens game last year where we won and how game script just changes changes everything. We got so far off our ideal game script so quickly in this game because of the first drive interception, they come back, score a touchdown. And then we have that fake punt, which gives them the ball in very favorable territory. I was very adamant at the time. And I still am that I hate that fake punt call. I don't I've, hate it as much as you. Do. I've heard Matthew say this at least 12 times since it happened. I, yeah. I hate that. Why call. do you, why do you, why do you hate it so much? Because 
we're we're trying to get into a rhythm. You're trying you're putting your defense into a terrible spot that that just got driven down. Um, I also there's no preseason games. There's no no tape yet on we hadn't punted yet we don't know how the Ravens are going to line up we don't know how they're going to play that we know how they're physically lined up on the field and and you and you there make that was a window like that could, it, that could and should have been converted and it didn't like, work it didn't work but why didn't it work it was because of poor execution by the players I don't think it was the play call like if we just had executed a block or one block really but, and but you're also you're also asking like a, a third string cornerback and your starting free safety to execute a block against a defender while your punter runs. Like, like it's not putting players in a great position. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. Our, our punter is Jamie effing Gillen. No, I, I, I understand that. <laughs> don't, just, all the punters, don't just lump them into that category. Here's why I'm okay with it. During this game, what was going on? What do we know about the Ravens? We know we talked about this last week. We know that they are built to run the ball and control the the ball. I think we took. I, did we win the toss and take possession, or did the Ravens win and kick it off? To I don't us? remember. Do you know? I don't know if that's true or not. But going into the game, I was hoping that we would take the ball so that we could go up with them and kind of control the game. And I think that's really important against a team like the Ravens. And I think that for the Browns in this situation. That, that was something that they knew that they needed to do. Now, if the way the game played out, it's a through an interception on the that first drive, situation. Went down, you're touchdown. on the second possession. You think you could convert that? You've practiced it. Like the team, you think you're prepared. I'm perfectly okay with going for that, knowing that like your best chance and opportunity to win this particular game is to kind of control it from the outset. If it gets out of hand, now it is a huge roll of the dice. Obviously, like backfired big time, led us down a path that led to a blowout. There's no doubt in my mind. But we all acknowledge that we didn't think we were going to win the game in the first place. Exactly. This and so you might as well you might as well go for it early on and take your swing. I, I'm okay. I'm very was, comfortable with was, the decision. It that was, was made. fourth and four. Jamie Gillen has to run 16 yards forward from where he catches the ball. In order to, to make that first down, if that the Ravens take over, we hold them to a th- those next. We hold them to a field goal. It's not a three and out because they they kicked a field goal. If we had punted, we would have an opportunity to for our defense to settle in. If we force them to a three and out, we get the ball back, and now it's game on in a in a positive game script. Yeah, that's instead of well, we'd be in the exact same game script we were before. I it's. I can under it's very easy to say that after the fact. But my argument for why I don't hate the call is this is not a normal divisional matchup. We all were in agreement that the Browns were going to lose today. The Browns going into the game were probably in agreement within the team that they were going to lose. This is not a normal <laughs> I hope that's not the case. But this is not this is not a normal divisional game. This was Boise State versus Oklahoma in 2007. We had to do something. We had to do something if we were going to win that game and after that interception on the first drive exactly like you said michael we you got to make something happen if we're actually going to win and so like i don't i don't fault them the special teams throughout the entire game was really poor execution really poor execution anyways i your your approach is more conservative and relying on our team being able to execute throughout the game to beat the ravens 
mine is coming from a position of I don't think if we just match up Browns against Ravens that we're able to execute and beat them like well I'm also frustrated like that because it doesn't seem like we even had it doesn't seem like it was an informed decision like it's not something that you can scheme up oh we see the Ravens do this on their punt coverage we think we can exploit it there was no there was no priors like you're just basically rolling the dice into the dark hoping that I hear what you're it, saying. it yeah. comes off. Yeah. yeah. And so that felt very reckless. It's a fake to punt me. in Madden, yeah. basically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, where you're like, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Let's try it. Yeah. So it, it just felt very unintentional, like misguided, Well, reckless, it feels that way too, that. but I think, I mean, I'm no football coach, but I would imagine that that call is not made, you know, on the headset, but is said, you know, if they line up this way, then we're going to go for it. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, but you still don't know how how the whole defense rotate. Like, I've, but yeah. but it was poor. It was horrible execution. Like, Sendejo gets a block, a real block. Jamie Gillen has is more than likely going to make that first down. And we had two people whiff on a. We had two players not block one player. I like those odds. I don't think that in a normal situation, but that, it's, but it's two Browns blocking one Baltimore <laughs> Raven. I don't like, like, like that. I, I just I I, I I think that the call was not misinformed. I think that the call was set up for success and we executed atrociously because there was two different people that were there. Um, so we oh. we talked about the special teams um, having a poor game. So obviously we know that Austin Seibert missed that extra point and then missed the field goal shortly after that. He is out, um, and Cody Parkey is in. Bye-bye, Austin. Hello, Cody Parkey. We all know how well that's worked out in the past for other NFL teams. Um, and we might have just given somebody else a kicker of the future. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if no one else signed Austin Seibert and he came back onto our practice squad. And then so Cody Parkey screws it up, and Austin Seibert's if back I'm, in. If I'm Austin Seibert, I'd be kind of ticked. I'd, maybe that's my own pride getting in the way of a employment opportunity for Austin Seibert. But. In, so, what, in what way? You miss – how many opportunities did he have to make a kick? He had, what, four? He had no, two. No, he only had two. This, is, the, two this is like the most interesting part about this to me. The Browns' offense was so bad, we didn't have any – he didn't get any other opportunities. So early in this game – you know, we score a touchdown, and he doinks the extra point. Then we get a chance late in the half for a field goal, and he misses the field goal. He doesn't get another opportunity the entire game. He kicks the ball off a few times, and that's it. Does If he gets an opportunity like later in the game, yeah. makes if, a field if goal. He's, if he's two for four on Makes a field goal, makes another one later on. Yeah. Like he I would guess he might not get canned like it, it's that is not the right way to go about it i would not say but like it seems reasonable to think that if he had had more opportunities and had converted them that he would not have yeah. if the, been if the shown offense didn't the suck door. so bad which has austin cyber probably still has his job i have a feeling that other teams do a really good job of building confidence in their players like the ravens gave J.K. Dobbins two touchdowns in this game. In their new rookie running backs, second-round draft pick, he goes in and he scores two touchdowns in his first NFL game. J.K. Dobbins is thinking very favorably about his career right now. 
And the Browns, that's just not something that we do. We just do not instill confidence in our players. It's hard to instill confidence when you can't when you don't win games. Yeah, but like, wouldn't it be great if we did let Austin Seibert get another chance? I think Matthew's beating the drum of sample like, size. Kickers, kicker, yeah, sample size. <laughs> kickers are gonna miss kicks. You know, they they are. And like, you look at Austin Seibert's year last year. It, it, like yeah, you, you no, can't just take this no. first game. You, you got to take also his entire last season. Austin Seibert on field goals was good last year. He was he had the 11th best conversion rate on field goals in the league last year. There's 32 teams. He was 11th. Okay, he was not great on extra points. He still made 85% of his extra points, which the league it, average is like 90. It, yeah, like that. it's like 90. So that would be like two more points. Austin Seibert may have cost us two points because he's a liability on extra points. Yeah. Like, I'm okay with that. One extra field goal that he makes counteracts three missed extra points. Like, if you're going to have a kicker who is, like, strangely not good at something, make it the extra point. See, the counterpoint, Because you can though, go for two. You can always you, go you for two. You can go for two and counteract The counterpoint it. to that, though, is is that the extra point is from the same distance. And, like, if you're a kicker, you need to be consistent and be able to execute on the extra point. Like, the field goals are coming from a variety of distances. Like, you look at a field goal kicker's accuracy from one field goal kicker to the next. Like, just, one guy could be he's kicking just a, a gamer. Can you take He's the, just a gamer. Can you take the extra point from farther away? <laughs> <laughs> can you just, like, decide, like, the the – the long snapper gets to decide where Austin's Take, taking like a, it. Where Austin's no, taking it from like a, like a Dwight Howard <laughs> yeah. free throw. Yeah. Like where he steps a couple feet back and like shoots from further back. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm going to take it from back here. Austin, you, you just blindfold Austin. You trot him out there. Trot him out there. And then you're like, oh, guess what? It's a 45er. Well, that's actually part of my problem with Cybert and why I'm actually really okay with him being gone. I, we should have never drafted a kicker in the fifth round in the first place. Um, I don't. Think I we disagree with that. I don't think that we should have moved on from him as quickly as we did. But I had zero confidence in Austin Seibert from forty-five plus yards. Like zero confidence in Austin Seibert from forty-five plus yards. And um, that I, I want to have a kicker that I can feel okay winning that like game-winning field goal, like from distance. And if he had trotted out there to win any game. From any sort of distance, I would have been assured. I, I would have felt so confident that he would not have made the field goal. I, I Obviously, you want a kicker that can kick the game-winning field goal from distance at the end of a game. But I want to talk largely I'll, philosophically. Last about year, draft- 12, 9 of 12, 40 to 49, 1 of 2, 50-plus. Yeah, they didn't give him any opportunities they did, plus because they knew. good from 50-plus. No, but Michael, tell me why you wouldn't want to draft a kicker in the fifth round. How often do you – okay, just tell me. Um, simply because you can take another player there and there's no consistency from the drafted kickers to the undrafted kickers and you can get somebody off the road, off the street as an undrafted player that has historically shown just as much value kicking as a player that you can get in the fifth round. Justin but Tucker only you, attempted one 50-plus yard field goal If you season. draft – because the Ravens were really good offense and okay. they never got in position to like – kick one that far the browns were not a really good offense they chose to not give him a chance if you feel like you've identified the next justin tucker what is his draft value honestly it's got to be at least in my opinion third round 
Like, and I, I, I would fight anybody about this. People undervalue kickers like crazy. Yeah, when but they are Justin the... Kicker might be the only one. Like, that's the that's the hard that's the hard part about this. Like, name another kicker in the NFL right now that you feel confident in other than Justin Tucker. I can't, and that's kind of the problem with the fact that we're just moving on from Austin Seibert because, like, are we really going to get anybody better? Who are you like, replacing him with? Like, are we really Cody gonna... Parkey was not good for the Bears when Literally he last picked. everyone, the world over, hates Cody Parkey. He kicked, like, like 78%. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't think that he's necessarily better, but with kickers, people just have this, like, uh, like John Dorsey-like mentality that you're not a real football player, and so you have to, like, be perfect. And it's just not a it's just not a reality. And I think that if you have a really good kicker, it adds so much value to your team. And people should value it way more than they do. Um, I don't disagree with you. The problem there is is I don't think there's anyone outside of Justin Tucker that truly is a really good kicker. And so since it's such a crapshoot, it's better to not waste a draft pick and take your chances on a on a free agent or whoever do you like, think the browns the do you think I the understand. browns are better today with austin Seibert not being our kicker oh i feel like it's a wash i i don't think it's i don't think it's better or worse i'm not saying one way or the other but then why do it now like like that that's the part that makes no sense to me is like why why do it now after the first game where the whole team got waxed yeah. We did not Austin lose Cyber this game. Wasn't, Austin Cybert wasn't the only person who sucked on our team. <laughs> no, that's true. Sunday. And nobody else <laughs> gets cut. Exactly. And I couldn't agree more. We did not lose this game because of anything Austin Cybert did. I will say he really took the air out of our sails on that missed extra point. And they turned him into a scapegoat. There's and, no doubt. And dude <laughs> just loses his job. And, and it's not be, like, oh, you lost your job, but there's this other guy who's like really good. And it's like, yeah, he, just, he was breathing down your neck the whole time. No, a guy who's infamously bad. We'll just roll the dice with any old dick that we can bring in here. Like, like it just makes no sense to me. There's no logic to it. I agree. When it comes to kickers, there is no logic in the NFL. I I feel like you you really have to ride the ups and the downs. And, yes, there are some guys that are better than other guys. Like, don't get me wrong. But you can't overreact after a, a... one week but, of like bad kicking results. I'm with you. There's something to like the emotional stability and not feeling like you're on edge. Like to being a kicker, you need to have some sort of confidence. And part of that confidence is that your team is behind you and you're not like fighting for your job with every effing kick. And if you feel that yeah. way, like you're going to be inclined to miss yeah. more kicks, right? And who's like, the only kicker in the NFL that doesn't feel like they're fighting for their job on every effing kick? The funniest probably Justin, Justin Tucker, Tucker right? <laughs> like maybe that is the key, right? I mean, like, I fought, I, I have been a part of conversations with Browns fans this offseason where I have defended Austin Seibert and said he should have a fair chance. Because he was pretty good last year. Because he was fine. He was fine for a rookie. Like, he was not bad. Like, no doubt. Um, anyways. How much more can we stretch out this kicker conversation? Oh, it's an interesting conversation. I do. I think, I think it is, too. Yeah. But uh, we'll move on for the sake yeah. of the listeners. All right. So... Unfortunately, we were we got throttled, and we also got throttled by injuries. So our first-round pick, Dredrick Wills, had a um, supposed knee injury, I believe. A leg injury. A leg injury, and um, apparently all the x-rays came back negative. Nothing serious to note. Um, I Kevin believe Stefanski Kev- said he's sore. 
He's sore, has a bruise, something like that. I've had some pretty bad bruises in my life that have knocked me out for months on end. So I can understand, Jedrick, you're doing the Lord's work. You're doing great stuff. <laughs> Keep that I mean, rehab. might not be available on Thursday on a short week. I, I don't know. If it knocked him out of the game, it seems reasonable to expect that he might not be able to go on a quick turnaround. But I'm glad to know that he's going to get reps because, like, that would have been pretty brutal. For a guy that you're moving to a new position, like, the most important thing for Jedrick Wills right now is those game reps. And if he had lost, like, this season due to an injury, like, that would have been really devastating. It doesn't really matter to him and it doesn't really matter to the team if he misses the Thursday night in Cincinnati. If if he had, God forbid, had a season-ending injury, that would just be devastating to have your top two rookie draft picks gone for the season um Kendall Lamb's a a more than qualified backup swing tackle um there's probably an argument to be made that our offensive line play does not drop with Kendall Lamb in there playing tackle versus Jedrick Wills I don't know if any like PFF numbers or anything backs this up but my impression of Kendall Lamb is that he's a pretty good pass blocker maybe not as great of a run blocker and I think Jedrick Wills is probably the opposite so I kind of feel like they bring a little bit of different like skill sets to the table but Kendall Lamb has played a lot of snaps in the NFL and quite adequately um, held his own. So, like, I think playing against the Bengals, like, we're in we're in solid shape rolling Kendall Lamb out there at left tackle. Yeah. Um, all right, and then we had David Njoku, who was one of the highlights of the game. He was well, maybe largely the impressive. Only highlight? Was there anything else other than the touchdown? Offensive line play. Well, actually. We recovered a fumble. Larry Ogunjobi. Was yeah, Larry Ogunjobi soaring through the air and punching the ball out like at the same time. Was, On third and one. Was pretty pretty nice. In the red zone, right? Yeah, it was. Yep. It was beautiful. I love that, man. Uh, but David Njoku had a couple of highlight plays and largely performed really well and unfortunately is getting moved to the IR three weeks minimum he's going to be out for being on the IR he did tweet just like a quick pit stop I'll be back soon like hit something along those lines I heard it was an MCL sprain something something along those lines um that sounds like a three or four week injury hopefully he'll be back the silver lining there is how deep we are at tight end like I I do not want David Njoku to be out but we have like lots of bodies there how, how deep we used to be at tight end no I mean, now Stephen Carlson's. Stephen Carlson played. Stephen Carlson played a ton in this game. He had a lot of snaps in this game. So did Harrison Bryant. Did I say that name right? Yeah. yeah. Correct. It sounded. It just didn't sound right coming out of my mouth. <laughs> Harrison Bryant. I was like doubting yeah. myself the second with, it left my mouth. With the confidence of Austin Cyber. <laughs> just, <laughs> just. Hey, Michael. Just that smooth uh, delivery. <laughs> Michael, I need you to know we're not sacking you if you miss a name. Thank you. You're safe. I, I really needed to know that. <laughs> You're safe here. <laughs> um, all right, and then uh, and then Jacob Phillips. Yeah, I'm bummed about that. The- I haven't, I haven't. Obviously, I saw the picture that he he Instagrammed shortly after the game. I haven't heard of his any, leg of his- in a leg brace. Um, clearly, a knee injury for Jacob Phillips. I was excited about that kid. Getting reps. I love his athleticism, how he can fly around, how sure of a tackler he is. Um, I was looking forward to seeing him on the field. That's obviously going to be disappointing if and he, he, got if a he lot misses of early, significant time. He got a lot of early snaps in this game. Had a lot of playing time until he had to leave with the injury. Um, man, our linebackers are will, yeah, sad. Right our now. linebackers are bad, but I will say 
one of the positives from this game. We've been really down. We were sure tacklers. We oh, yeah. did tackle well during this game, which is not something that has marked the Browns over the years. I think I saw that we were one of the top three graded teams in tackling, actually, across the entire weekend, which yep. which I was probably pleased. been a long time since we've been able to say that. Well, it's because we were either tackling in a phone booth with the Ravens running up the middle, or we weren't tackling at all. Because <laughs> they were wide open. They were just wide open. I don't know. Like, there's a lot of plays, though, where you're coming up. Like, there weren't really many, if any, like, broken, like, missed tackles, you know? Yeah, yeah I don't Like, there's so many opportunities. One. There's so many opportunities in a football game for a guy to run through an arm tackle, and that, that just didn't happen. What about our defensive ends? I, I feel, felt like we were playing a scheme that was trying to contain Lamar more than just get after the quarterback. Do yep. you feel like that's the case? I definitely feel like that's the case. I mean, like, Vernon didn't do anything, and Vernon's notorious for, for being, like, the disciplined, like, hold-the-edge guy. It, they, neither one of them jumped off the, off the page. You didn't see a whole lot of plays. Adrian Claiborne had that one ridiculous play mm-hmm. um, whenever he came in late in the game. I didn't um, notice him until late in the game. He, he played a bunch of snaps, though, even early. Yeah. That's hmm. interesting. Yeah, I didn't notice him until that yeah, play. He played on like 50% of our defensive snaps. Well, good for him. I didn't um, see a ton of plays. Yeah, you're right, 54%. I'm looking at it right now. Same as Larry. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen – I think our defensive ends are obviously one of our strongest positions on the entire team, and I would have loved to see way more out of them. That's got to be but... a frustrating game to play if you're those guys. But you have to do it. Where, I mean, where you just a, have to kind of like do your your role. It was of, it was correct. See that that was the thing that just killed me. It was like so many of those plays that Lamar made in this game were like just like a matter of inches. Like he he put the ball in great spot. Like I've got to give him credit, but it felt like the Browns executed in a lot of ways, like on the game plan, and we tried to force Lamar to beat us and. In this case, he, he did. did. Like, he beat us. Um, but the frustrating part to me was that the front seven seemed to do their job, and on the back end, we were just all kinds of lost. And Joe, I wonder if we're just not able to play the scheme that, like, Joe Woods wants to play because we don't have the talent to, to play it right now. And we were stuck we with a don't, subpar. Don't have the talent healthy or don't have the talent on the roster? Healthy. I mean, I think the Delpit injury is part of it. I think that the all you know, Ronnie Harrison being brand new, the handful of corners. I do think Ronnie Harrison coming back and getting weaned in like over gonna time help. is going to help a ton. And then you layer in a couple of the corners coming back with Greedy and Kevin Johnson, and then like we're starting to feel a little bit better about the secondary. I mean, if we're having these same kind of like wide open looks in two weeks when some of those guys are healthy and I back, mean, argu- like, I'm going to feel a lot worse about the situation. Arguably three out of our four most talented members in the secondary were not playing or didn't play a lot. Ronnie Harrison played some snaps. That's true. Ronnie Harrison needs to play more than Sandejo. I mean, I mean, go, going forward, you, yeah. you would have to imagine he would. And then Kevin Johnson is, is a really good player when he's healthy and Grant Delpit greedy's greedy's got talent. That's not even, I wasn't even counting Delpit. I was just yeah. counting him as kind of a loss. So there's an argument that, that, Four out of our top five most talented defensive players on the roster were, or de- defensive secondary back end players. secondary players, were not 
making a significant contribution in this game. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Brighter things could be ahead. All right. One one more thing I want to talk about about the game that we haven't hit at all. Odell Beckham Jr. Odell Beckham had three receptions for 22 yards. And most notably, he had that dropped pass on third down that mattered a lot. Yeah, that did. It was very important. It was one of the few passes that was thrown fairly well by Baker. It was a very on-target pass. You mentioned to me, Michael, that when you rewatched the game, you were not as sour on Odell, and I would love to hear the explanation as to why. Well, there was two plays where I felt like he definitely – like it was his fault. It was that drop, and there was another play over the middle. That was a more difficult catch, but a catch you would expect Odell to make. Was it low? It was like low and over the middle, and like he just didn't come away with it. And he didn't have some, you know, had somebody coming in pursuit behind him, but he went like I would have expected Odell to make that other catch as well. So th- I fault him for those two. But there was about five other plays where Odell was like looking so spry, like shaking his defender like running great routes, getting himself open, and Baker's just missing him. Either missing him, even like throwing towards him. He had 10 targets, I think, Odell did, and only three catches. Mm -hmm. Either missing him on the target or just not even seeing him go open, which is fine. Like you're not going to get the ball every single time you like run a route and, you know, get open. But he looked really good. And I'm not going to fault Odell whenever his quarterback doesn't get him the ball, like where it's supposed to be and like when it's supposed to be there. So um, I just saw a guy that looked like he was um, running great routes and outside of those two plays where he dropped, which like he needs to own. (laughs) Like those are terrible. You can't be a $16 million a year NFL wide receiver and drop a run of the mill third down conversion, like straight over the middle on a slant. Like you just can't drop that pass. There's absolutely no excuses for it. And it completely turned the tide of this game. So um, that that was generally what I saw. And, and I'm willing to like chalk it up to a one-game like situation and see what happens going forward. But, and there's, there's that frustration from Odell where he's three for ten. Three receptions on ten targets. Then there's also the, the three-play stretch where he drew, he, he drew penalties f- on three straight plays. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I think the whole thing, of those the, incompletions. The third holding might have been against the guy guarding Hodge, but yeah. but still, like that's three first downs in a row. Yeah, like, he's affecting the game significantly. Like that's a positive impact. Like they're yeah. Even if he's not getting receptions, he has a way that it's possible for him to impact the game. We just need to figure out how to harness and and get him the ball in some of those situations where he's where he's open and make sure Baker knows where he's at not try to force him the ball. Um, and I think that some of these things compound a little bit because, you know, he wasn't getting the ball when he was open throughout yeah. the game. I think he gets frustrated. And then he does get frustrated, but then I think he, like, feels the weight of needing to do something. And so then in a situation like that third down play, he feels like he's got to do so much when all he really needs to do on that play is catch the damn ball. Yeah. Like, if he catches the ball and goes down, like, that's all that we need on that play. But he wants to turn it up and get to the end zone – and so he's thinking about that before he secures the catch, and like that's just a problem. Like he, I think that he tries to do a little too much most of the time when the ball is coming his way. But it's partially because they're not taking advantage of all all that he can do, and like 
on all of the targets that he's getting. And so I think it just kind of plays off of itself. I mean, they're just they're not in a rhythm yet. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. I mean, it's in stark contrast to Landry's six targets and five receptions. I mean, only one pass thrown to Landry he didn't catch. Um, if we can get any sort of semblance, and I'm pretty of sure that, that one was that one was a pass breakup too. Yeah, if we can get any sort of semblance of that connection with Landry and OBJ and Baker, we'll be in a much much better situation. All right, so let's look ahead. Brown's got a short week gonna play the Bengals on thursday night I football i think i'm glad it's a short week like move on move ahead like there's not time to dwell on this game anymore let's start looking ahead to the Bengals and get a w under our belt hopefully hopefully indeed i mean like <laughs> i we we start this season zero and two with two division losses that is going to be a much sadder podcast than this one was we might just stop the podcast <laughs> it's it's over we'll take a sabbatical <laughs> that would um, yeah no that'd be horrendous like you can't you can't lose this game to the Bengals. and that's the that's the bad thing about getting blown out by the ravens like we did now the pressure's on like you're you're taking on the Bengals. had the first pick in the draft with the worst team in the league last year rookie quarterback in his second start that bengal secondary is not great they're beat up in the interior defensive line. The offensive line for them is not good. Like there are weaknesses on this Bengals team that we can exploit and take advantage of. And now we have to, yeah, if if you're going to make something from this season, you've got to find a way to win on Thursday. But I mean, come on. Like if our defensive line doesn't eat on Thursday night, we we have a significant problem. Oh, like, their offensive see, line sucks. Yeah. Bobby Bobby Hart was terrible. Joey Bosa was just destroying him all day, every day. That that will be Miles Garrett for sure. So I wonder if Miles lines up on that side of the ball. He he pretty much stuck to that side uh, against the Ravens, and I'm not sure why. He normally lines up on the right hand side. I mean that's pretty. He, he was against the right tackle. No, that's he was on the left hand side. You're saying? Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of snaps. He was at the top of the screen. Well, um, depends on which way you're well, going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Object permanence. <laughs> it's difficult, but it'll be interesting. But the pressure's on the Browns, no doubt. We we've got to win. We've got two winnable games coming up. Like, from where we're sitting now, 0-1 getting blown out by the Ravens can look very different if you piece together two wins, two solid performances against the Bengals and the Washington football team. And who, now you're sitting 2-1. and one. Who The Washington football team is 1-0. and Washington football team is 1-0. That defensive line um, did I, some work against the Eagles. Here, I, I don't really care that we lost this game. Like, going forward, it doesn't really matter, like, how bad we lost the game. To be perfectly honest, we expected to lose the game. I don't think any of us gave us like a huge chance to win this one. Um, I thought it was within the realm of possibility, but not likely at all. So, all right, we're zero and one. We gotta go forward, like, and win the games we need to win. Like the this Bengals game, you absolutely have to win if you're gonna be a contending team trying to make the playoffs. Like, you you just can't make any excuses. We need secondary players back healthy. 
We need. We they have have guys talented wide receivers. The they have much more talented wide receivers than the Ravens do. Absolutely. Yeah. It's gonna be. It's gonna be all about our defensive line getting to Joe Burrow and making him uncomfortable as fast as we possibly can, so that those receivers can't get open with our depleted secondary. Um, I mean, did you guys get a chance to watch that whole Bengals Chargers game? I mean, because I, I don't know. I wh- did. They were doing. They were doing a lot of safe things with Burrow. Burrow looked. Burrow didn't do anything to to look bad, but he. They weren't asking him to do a lot. Uh, Burrow made some good throws, especially down the stretch. Burrow looked good in the in kind of like the the two minute drill to to get them back in the game there at the end. Um, Almost won it. Wasn't super complex. Yeah. I I don't know whether to think that the Bengals might be better than we thought or the Chargers are just awful. I mean a sixteen to thirteen final. Chargers offense is not good. Yeah. And I mean just they're being led Tyra by Tyrod Taylor, Taylor. Offense, yeah. right? Yeah. We all know how that's like. Well, not really. We didn't see that much of it. We saw, I saw two enough. and a half games. I saw enough. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, the Bengals' offense has a chance to be special if their offensive line can hold up. It's a very big if. That's why I'm glad that we're seeing seeing this team when we are. Yeah, when, I mean, I when don't... Burrow's still trying to figure it out, get it put together. All right, I just want to. I just want to feel some confidence from Baker coming out. That's my biggest key to this game. I, I agree that we can disrupt burrow and the defensive line getting pressure consistently is going to make a big difference but like for the for me to feel decent about the rest of the season i'm going to need to see baker mayfield looking a whole lot more comfortable than he did in this game and i hopefully the coaching staff i mean this is a really big deal for the coaching staff to like have a whole game of calling plays and like understanding the feel and the flow and like understanding how to put their players in position to like succeed like all of that was conjecture until Sunday. Like it was all just a theory until Sunday. But now hopefully like our coaching staff can make adjustments and like call a game that's going to put Baker in a position to succeed rather than asking him to do do too much. Like it's clear that you can't ask him to do too much right now unfortunately. Like at this stage of his progression in this offense, like we need to rely on the run game and take take some select shots but we we can't be relying on Baker to go and like make reads and make plays like uh, against defenses, unfortunately. But we're gonna need our defensive secondary to hold up to be able to do that. And so, yeah, I agree with you, Matthew, that it's gonna be about getting our secondary players back and healthy. Not that it's gonna happen this upcoming week, but um, all right, what's the line for this game, Michael? So it's Thursday night. Um, it's coming quick. Um, Bengals at Browns. Browns, that line's moved a little bit. The Browns had were favored by a little bit more. It is now down to five and a half. The Browns are favored by. So just a recap for everybody on our lines from the first week. Mark and I are currently tied in the lead. We got two of the three correct. Matthew, the defending champion, is starting from behind in week one. Feels a little too confident in um in the Houston Texans um, last week, and uh, hmm. that'll get you. It's clawing uphill now. Never so, trust Bill O'Brien. Five and a half points Fair. for the Browns. Man, I just don't feel good about the Browns. Five and a half points feels like a decent bit. Um, 
but I definitely feel pretty confident that we're going to win this game. This is a gut feel. I'm going to I'm going to pick against the Browns until they prove me prove me right. So, I think they're going to win still, but I'm going to go with Cincinnati on this one to cover the five and a half points. All right, I'll go to Mark next. Um, I'm going to take the Browns. I know the Browns winning by more than a touchdown. I'm hoping that um, we can just completely dismantle Joe Burrow, that he can be terrified, that Miles can rip off his helmet um, and show him who daddy is. <laughs> I, I mean, this is important. I want, I want Joe Burrow to be afraid of the Cleveland Browns, and I have a feeling that we have a distinct opportunity right now to just get after him. Um, and those wide receivers are nothing if Joe Burrow can't get him the ball. Um, I, I think that we could run the ball the whole game and win significantly. Um, I'm going to go with the Browns by more than a touchdown. All right, Matthew, what you got? I think if the Browns get rolling, get confidence, we, we can win this game by, by a, a good margin. Um, I'll take the Browns. Takes the Browns. All right, I'm going to roll right back to you, Matthew, make you make this one first. New England heading to Seattle on Sunday night with the Seahawks favored by four and a half points. A lot of question marks from New England. New running offense. 15 rushing attempts from Cam Newton this past week. Russell Wilson threw the ball all over the place. What do you see? What do you think? Seahawks offense looks really good, and I have my questions about New England's defense. I mean, they played Miami, so we can't really know how good they are or not. Um, I'm going Seattle. All right. I've got Seattle, too. Mark, who do you have? You can take them, too. I hate, I hate to do this, but I have to take Seattle. I, I mean, as Russell, Russell Wilson's fantastic, but has he ever looked as good as he did last week? I, it, was, it was absurd. He was 31 of 35 for 330 yards or something like that. Four touchdowns. I, all right. Clean sweep. We all take Seattle with their four, even with their four and a half points. Um, Bill Belichick's going to make us all look stupid. Uh, That's going to be a fun game to watch. It'll be like a really such fun a game really game. interesting battle of styles and like a test early for the Patriots. It's going to be fun. No I'm super doubt. interested to see how Cam Newton does throughout this entire season. Um, I, I kind of want, we were talking about the other day, I kind of want the Patriots to actually do well this year. I just want Bill Belichick to be able to do it consistently every year, no matter what his team looks like, no matter how bad it is. I just want to see greatness. Everybody wants that. And it's better for the... What's so, what's so annoying is he makes it look so easy, where, like, the way that he wins, you're like, oh, no, obviously. Like, yeah. That's of what course, that's what everybody. Should <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's all hindsight. All right. Oh, well, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Um, I'm so sorry, Browns fans, for what you had to experience on Sunday. Take it from me personally. Um, you deserve better than this, and uh, I hope that the rest of the season will look up for you. Um, we love you, and we appreciate you. Thanks for listening, and go Browns.